Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. If you're a first-time listener for Talking Money, just a quick reminder, this is not a sales program, and today it definitely is not. But uh, for all the different radio shows that are on that talk about money, that are all virtually all of them are selling something. They just don't tell you they're selling something, but they're selling something back there. We don't do that. We're here to educate. Been doing it for years. If you want to get more information about different other topics, you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and just click on the page there that talks about radio shows, and you can put in the topic that you're interested in, and up will pop the whatever shows we've done in the past that have discussed that particular topic. So we we try to assign each show that we do one or two or three different topics, so that'll come up on a search when you do it inside that website. If you got a question for me, it's not one that you're going to be able to get answered t- today. I had one this past week from uh, a listener talking about annuities, and we're going to be answering some more of that question next week when we continue my discussion on annuities, pros and cons, and and all the things in between about that to be, to be aware of. We'll talk about that next week. You can send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and we'll get that answered on a future show. But we want to get right to the meat of the topic today. So John Warren is my guest, and I want to welcome uh, John to the microphone. No stranger to microphones, having run for, for a political office that gets you pretty much used to speaking and microphones and so forth. Welcome, John. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Glad I finally got a chance to meet you. So I've known about you for quite a, a few years now, but uh, so glad to have you as, as a guest this morning. And you've got an interesting story, a lot of different things, but a lot. some people don't know who you are. So I mentioned your name to some people, but you're going to be on, on uh, Saturday morning. And, and some people, oh, yeah, John. And some people are like, who is that? Uh, I'm not sure who that is. See, uh, out of sight, out of mind, right? Two years later, and they're not there anymore. Maybe they didn't see the article in the Greenville News this past week on you about starting up the new, the new uh, pack. Uh, but just to get everybody more familiar with you, so you're a Greenville, Greenville native, right? Born, raised? Grew up right on North Main Street. Did you really? I did. Okay. It's changed a lot. Yeah, it has since then. Was it two lane when you, uh, were there? It was four lanes. It was four even then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, um, you went to, to junior okay. high, elementary, and high school, and all that right here? I did. League middle, Wade Hampton grad. Wade Hampton, okay. Your career as a, a Marine, when I was reading some of the, the bio of you, I thought, really, I'd like just to hear more about the the missions that you're on. It's it's, it's got to be better than a war movie. Let's let's hear what really goes on in those things. But we don't have time to talk about that either today. Uh, so you met uh, your wife. Is she from here or is she from someplace? She's else? originally from Atlanta, but Atlanta. went to Furman. So okay. we met on a blind date. Yeah. And uh, you said between deployments, we, I think. In, or in between deployments, and she had worked with uh, President Bush at the White House. Okay. And was about to go to Argentina on a Rotary scholarship, and I think we went out five times in a week. And then she went to Argentina, 
and uh, I went back to Camp Lejeune and deployed for my second yeah. deployment. Yeah. And we stayed in contact, and now we've been married 11 years and have three wonderful kids. Wow. So how long was it between that those five dates and actually uh, where you got married? Well, one of the toughest things I did was actually have to tell my mom that right before you deploy in the Marine Corps, you get a pre-deployment leave. So we got Uh-oh. two weeks Uh-oh. off. I can handle what's coming. You know, <laughs> we want to, your dad and I want to take you anywhere. And I said, well, actually, I'm going to Argentina to see this girl for 10 days. <laughs> so uh, it worked out well for me. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it did. So that's great. So she already had some political aspirations and or not aspiration, but political experience, uh, having worked in the, the Bush White House. Yep. She was in communications. So, okay. Uh, that could be helpful for you. She has some great, uh, stories. The worst thing during the campaign was following behind her talking because the question always arose, why is, why are, or why are you running and she's not? <laughs> Cause she communicated uh, so much better than, than you did. Okay. Well, that, that can, you can still use her in, in uh, a it's lot a of good different problem. ways. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, she can be a good uh, critic for you. <laughs> she says, don't do this, don't do that. She definitely keeps me humble. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so we're here to talk about money, though. And one of the things I like to ask uh, folks like yourself uh, when I get a chance to is I think it's just a, an interesting um, uh, history to, to hear about how people – have learned about money and the lessons they learned. A lot of times in our growing up years, we learn things about money, watching other people, uh, other people telling us things, uh, maybe experiences we had with first jobs and so forth. So I always like to ask, so what what kind of lesson, lesson or lessons did you learn when you were growing up that, that really stuck with you today? And I've had people that said, yeah, they learned this lesson, but I, I didn't really do it. I should have, but I didn't do it. And And who was the most influential to you for those lessons? I think for me, it was just my parents. They had such a huge impact on me. But one of the main things that was stressed, um, even at a very, very early age, that we're trying to pass on to our children is hard work is really, really important. Okay. And I think that's the most important thing. And then honesty comes after that. And then when you're generating money or wealth, you know, my dad always said it's not our money. And to be good stewards of it because it's God's money. Good for and, him. And, uh, yeah. you know, we saw he, he was very, uh, public with us as a family about him giving and okay. which organizations and why he chose them. And mm-hmm. I think that's had a huge Help impact. Help teach you. Yeah. It's had a huge impact on us. If you grow up with it, it's much easier than if yeah. you don't. Are you folks still living? Uh, my dad passed away from cancer, but my mom's still alive. Okay. Is she living in the upstate? She does. She, she lives in Greenville still. Okay. So. And now she gets to see you more often uh, instead of on deployment. You're just seeing your family. You she she wants her. to see the grandkids more than me. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so with my three grandkids, that's yeah, that uh, I understand that. Uh, any other lessons that stuck out? I mean, hard work and and giving and understanding that that uh, that the money is not yours; it is God's. We're just stewarding the money while we're here because obviously we can't take it with us. We're only going to be here a short time, relative to eternity, a very short time. So it is important for us to be the good stewards. Anything else that, or anybody else on the outside? Those are the main influences. Oh, those are the main influences. Yeah. And my grandfather, I just w- remember, was always a very generous person. And whenever someone was in a time of need, he would he would bail them out or help them. Yeah. He never asked for the money back. And, and he didn't do it just for a tax deduction. It doesn't sound like. No, he didn't even take advantage <laughs> of the tax right. deduction. It was literally just gifts to friends or people yeah. in need. And yeah. That's great. I, I've been asked over the years as a financial consultant, you could imagine, you know, what is the one thing, one piece of advice you would give 
someone about finances. And so it's very simple. Just spend less than you make and do it for a long period of time. And, and, then, and then when I joined Ron Blue Trust and see the, how that's written in all the materials that's in there. So I guess they got it from me. So, well, I don't think so. But anyway. I, think, I think you can see with the coronavirus crisis, the fact that so many people couldn't go two weeks without any savings a was, a, was a huge problem for us as a country. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go back a little bit. Um, I don't know how many years ago it was that you founded or co-founded Lima One Capital, but apparently there's a, a pretty neat story about he, you know, some uh, former Marine buddy or buddies uh, that uh, helped put all this together. So give us, a, give us a history. Sure. So I guess uh, to start with, a lot of people ask me how I came up with the name Lima One Capital. And I wanted something very meaningful and unique, so I went with my call sign in Iraq in Ramadi. Uh, I was 1st Platoon Commander of Lima Company, 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, so my call sign was Lima 1. So ah, okay. A lot I of think I did hear read that one someplace, yeah. The, the running joke was I really liked another call sign for my second deployment better, but it was Nightmare. And I didn't think Nightmare had the uh, the best ring to it, so uh, especially during the financial crisis. Did your wife help you do that? Or you could figure that one out by yourself. Yeah. So um, I really started Lima One because I came out of the Marine Corps. I was an infantry officer. I was a politics major, and I got a lot of interviews, and no one wanted to hire me. They all told mm. me I had no practical skill sets. So I had just gotten married. I had no money. What money I had, I, I, I got a ring, and... Um, so uh, Courtney had a great steady job, and I tell everyone, you know, ultimately she was unofficially the first angel investor the company had because <laughs> she allowed me to really right. start and take a huge okay. risk. Yeah. And I saw an opportunity. Now, how uh, long ago was this now? Let's this keep, was 2009 when I really started to look at what I wanted to do. And and it was so the height is... of the financial crisis. Yeah. We, were living, we had just moved back. I just got out of the Marine Corps. We were living in Atlanta. There were 20,000 foreclosures a month. And really, uh, it was just because a, of the the financial crisis, the yeah, great recession that we had back then. Yeah, because of that and started really searching for where did I see opportunities and started talking to real estate investors, asked them, you know, they were telling me it was a buying opportunity of a lifetime. And I asked them, well, where are they getting their capital? They told me mm-hmm. they were all paying cash, which didn't make any sense to me if, yeah. if it was unlimited opportunity. And I went back and started studying banking regulations and oh, saw okay. that banks were being held, were being forced to hold more equity for non-owner occupied or investment homes, mm-hmm. regardless of how credit worthy the borrower was. So ultimately, banks right. due to Dodd-Frank were getting pushed out of great lending, which was about 20% of the market, wow. real estate investors and okay. home builders. So I saw an opportunity, uh, raised capital. I raised $1 million from my first investor. And uh, we were off to the races. And I started it really with my uh, company gunnery sergeant from Iraq, who's a 22-year retired Marine master sergeant. Uh, He had been on nine deployments for combat combat, um, deployments. Tough old guy. And uh, let me tell you something. If if there's one person to fear, it's uh, it's him. uh, Well, the name gunnery sergeant always just gets it to you. But then you He he knows how to run a company operationally. And uh, we just had such a, a great relationship. And it was a great one-two punch, and that's how Lima One started. Okay, so um, is he a, a believer? The, uh, the gunnery he, sergeant. He is. Yeah, because I mean that would be important, I think, uh, for somebody like yourself to make sure that you are in business with somebody who has the same basic 
uh, Christian worldview that, that you had. Very, very similar. And I think we saw eye to eye on the culture of the company. We took a lot of things that we learned from the Marine Corps, which a lot of civilians might think are crazy, but they made us successful and it made us unique. And we have very low turnover at the company. And I'm very proud of what we created. Well, I am Chris Allen, who works for our business consulting uh, services division at Ronald Blue Trust. He's based up in Charlotte, but I've gotten to know Chris really, really well over the you know, the last year and a half that we've been. He's been with Ronald Blue Trust less than that. He came after I did, but I'd known about him even before that from Movement Mortgage, where he was before. And he's as a, a Lima One being a, a, a client of theirs uh, of ours at the firm. Uh, so I was asking Chris, uh, what are some things that, that he might share about Lima One? And he, of course, he's, he works with you guys on culture and that's, that's the, what business, his part of the business consulting services part is. Um, but he was talking about how just, uh, a great place it is to work with the, the attitude, the, that you guys hired a lot of, uh, newbies, he called them. So share that. I mean, that, that wasn't necessarily something that other investors thought was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talk about is our hiring philosophy that's pretty unique. And we hire people based on our core values and core competencies and their core competencies. And then we train them. So ultimately, the hardest thing to do is to find a great employee who's a mm-hmm. hard worker, who's honest, mm-hmm. and then teachable. Who has the teachable team player and who has the skill sets to really excel in the job role that you want them to excel in. Mm-hmm. It's easy to train them. You know, and one of the things that we tell people, if you don't believe this, how many people have combat experience before they go into the military, right? I mean, or before they go into their first combat. It's really hard. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we we really put an emphasis on finding great people, making sure they have the right skill sets, and then we train them for their specific job role. Yeah, okay. So you started um, doing that in the Greenville area. How did you guys expand? What are some things you did to expand out of the of the upstate? Well, I actually started the company in Atlanta, and then when we okay. were going to hire employees, my wife and I always wanted to come back to Greenville, okay. and that was a perfect way to grow the company in Greenville in South Carolina. And uh, we came back here. We were lending in Atlanta and Greenville and Charlotte, and we had really gotten a ton of market share in those areas and were just on fire. And we thought we had a, a model that could really scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, even today, how we underwrite a loan in Seattle, Washington, is the exact same as how we underwrite a loan two miles from, from our office. Okay. And uh, that that's a very successful model. And then we got into institutional capital. So, you know, we've loaned several billion dollars out at this point. To institutions, you mean. When you say you got into institutional capital, you're not using their capitals to lend. You're actually no, lending we're, to we're, them. We're actually taking their capital okay. and lending to individual okay, home builders gotcha. and real estate investors okay. throughout the country. So some of the some of the big boys, as it were, started using you guys to to help get their capital to work. Yeah, huge, huge. They need they need people who are in the retail space to right. you know provide great capital, interest rates and options for them. So we would take their money and secure it to loans and uh, really help the economy grow by giving it to rehabbers, to home investors, and to okay. to builders. So the entrepreneurs listening that think, oh, I'd really like to grow my business, what are some things that you did even in the upstate to help and get you the exposure that, that you really needed to grow like you did? Well, I mean, I, I think when I give advice to entrepreneurs, our, we, we come at it from a philosophy standpoint first. 
And I would, I really firmly believe that if you are just honest and hardworking, you're automatically in the top 10% of whatever industry you're in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And then the third philosophy that we really employ is an alignment of interest. We look for win-win situations and partnerships Mm -hmm. to where if they do well, we're going to do well. If we do well, they're going to do well. And then, you know, that really sets up a lot of success for really partnering with a lot of people. But for people who wanted to to actually use Lima One to get their loan from, is they were actually going to a mortgage broker and and no, Lima no. One has all direct all to direct. Market. Okay. So you just go to Lima One Capital dot com or Lima One dot com, and we have a variety of uh, salespeople either in the field. They do direct marketing. We partner with a lot of brokers, so it's a very complex sales system now. So when you watch initially it, it was just me and Top selling. Yeah, so, you and uh, Top. Yeah. So I mean, when you when you watch the Golf Channel and you see Ricky Fowler, he's on there for Quicken Loans. He's he's uh, trying to get them business. What kinds of things did you do to try to get people to to even go to the Lima One Capital website to to look at you guys or consider you guys? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's changed substantially. You know, Google Ads are great, Facebook Ads are great. A lot of it has to do with how much capital do you have to market. Yeah, but we sure. would always look for a direct return on that capital to where, you know, if we spent a hundred dollars, we were trying to make five hundred off of that. So, okay, but no sponsorships to golf yet. Yeah, <laughs> that can be expensive. As somebody like Ricky, I'm sure is not uh, not the cheapest. Yeah. Uh, none of those none of those people are. Of course, you're not involved with the company. You sold your part in the company. Last fall, last September. coming up on a year ago. Last September, it's been a wow. year. Wow, it seemed like it. Strange times. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, it seems like a lot longer, and in some ways, I feel like I was just there. So, yeah, yeah. They they still uh, call you to consult every now and then. Uh, they call me for lunch and dinner. But, okay. Uh, they, they don't need me for consulting. <laughs> okay. Anymore. All right. That's 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 just as well. You'd probably just as soon have it that way. Are you glad you got out of it before all the the Corona stuff hit, or would would you rather had that challenge? Well. I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think, you know, Lima One's in great hands with the CEO and the same management team that was there when I left, so there's a lot of consistency. Uh, so Jeff Tennyson is uh, is running the show really well, huh? He's, he's doing yeah. a good job. So uh, Lima One's still loaning money in, in spite of you not being there. They're, they're doing well. Yeah, that's great. We'll be back in just a few minutes after this short break. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes 
or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Welcome back to Talking Money. You can also find out more about the local Greenville office of Ronald Blue Trust by going to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. That gets you to the Greenville team. Of course, there's teams in in Charlotte and in 17 other offices, 16 other offices. I think there's 17 total now, counting some of the satellite offices around the country. So uh, we're here to try to help you uh, meet your goals and save taxes and and and. Just as important now, I think, with the addition of the trust services, we can act as the trustee or personal representative. So when you're with the attorney and you're trying to figure out, all right, I want my spouse to be the personal representative and trustee. I want maybe one of my children because I trust them. Or if you don't have a child that you trust to do that, you don't put the child down. And you want somebody needs to be there as a backup trustee. And especially if you want a trust company that shares the same Christian worldview that you do. That's when Ronald Blue Trust can be named as the trustee, backup trustee in your documents. Uh, if you do that and you're not a client of Ronald Blue Trust, we would appreciate, of course, knowing that, that you've done that so that we can be prepared in the event something happens. And even if we just have a, a conversation, and that's all the conversation we have is to talk about what your situation is, and you're not going to be a client of Ronald Blue Trust now, but you want to be a client or you want your spouse or your children to be clients of the firm back when you're gone or sometime down the road, then having that conversation doesn't cost anything, but it certainly helps us be more prepared in the event that happens that the, the, the family knows who we are. So today, talking to John Warren, we're not talking about trust. We're talking about entrepreneurs and starting companies, and we're talking about Lima One Capital, and it's still going strong. And uh, lending money to folks, and and that really helps the the economy keep humming, because you've uh, people most people need to borrow money to get into their home. That and, and some people, it's, it's funny, John. Some people say, I don't have any debt except my house. I say, well, that means you have debt. <laughs> that, that your house counts as debt, but they mean just the consumer type credit card, car debt, that kind of thing. Uh, but so you've been there and done that with uh, starting a company and now selling a company. So what are some tips you've got for other entrepreneurs who are thinking about doing the same thing? Should they even think about it and say, no, it's a crazy world out there. Don't do it. What are some tips you have, John? So sure. It's a, it's a crazy world, but it was a great ride. And uh, I usually talk about three things, three practical pieces of advice for, for entrepreneurs. We already kind of talked about our hiring philosophy. Right. The other deals with uh, selling or presentations. We're always selling out in the business world, regardless of what your job is. And I talk about it's, uh, I tell the story of my first pitch deck for investors. And okay. I asked my buddy who was a big consultant, I was like, Hey, can I come pitch you, show you the pitch deck and see what you think? And I was at his, uh, kitchen table and he had, he has young kids. So there was a thing of crayons on the table. Okay. And I'd pitched him. And I thought it was great, right? Because I did it. Right, sure. And uh, he goes, he drew, he took a white piece of paper and he drew four quadrants. And he said, this is how the brain works. And this has been probably the most impactful thing that I've been told. He said, this is how the brain works. You have to cover all four quadrants, but everyone is geared towards one of the quadrants. Right. And he goes, the first quadrant is yellow and it's strategic. People want to see that there is a strategic vision, a strategic plan of where the company or idea is going. 
The second one is blue. Took a blue crayon and okay. he said numbers, data. So accountants okay. are clearly more data driven. He said the third one is green in operations. You know, can you accomplish it? How are you going to accomplish it? And then the fourth is red, which is emotion. And uh, uh. he goes, you're great in green. You're pretty much terrible in everything else. <laughs> so uh, it's something that's always stuck with me. But you've really got to cover all four quadrants. And uh, that's had a huge impact on me. And even even in the political world, that's kind of what I get dinged yeah. on, right? Like not enough emotion, too yeah. much operations. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. just how I'm created. Yeah. And then the uh, the third piece of advice I would say is small unit leadership. Oh. We really believe in the Marine Corps that you can only lead three or four people effectively. And I hear all the time from CEOs when I ask them, I say, how, how many direct reports do you have? And the other day I heard someone tell me they had 11. Mm. And I said, you just can't lead 11 people effectively. It's too much going on. Mm. So our rule at Lima One was you could not have more than four direct reports. Uh, Anyone in the company, okay. including the CEO. And what it does is it gives so many opportunities to develop your small unit leaders, what the, the business world would call middle management. But everyone at Lima One Capital can only manage and lead four people. The squad. And, and that's what it is, fire teams. Yeah. So okay, very interesting. That's had a huge impact on us, and it gives a lot of opportunity for people to pick up leadership roles yeah. and develop them. Of course, that's the case once you get large enough that you have more than four people to, to lead. So you got to get yeah. big enough to, to do that as well. Um, but when somebody's starting any kind of firm, there's um, different kinds of of services, different kinds of products they may be selling. Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways of to go about things to get to get larger. But so you're talking more from the the strategic um, people side and and development and oversight and that kind of thing to to make sure that that you really spread the responsibilities out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what are the tips? Those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Okay. So so take those to heart. I've had several people over the years, John, that have asked me about going into business with somebody. I remember one specifically was going to go into business with their brother-in-law in the floral business, and that floral business was not here in the upstate. It was someplace else. And they were asking me about it. Should I you know, invest in that particular business? And so I asked some more questions about it and, and really did not get good answers about how that florist, but it sounds like it was struggling and probably would continue to struggle even with this new. And then when you get into business with family member said that you've got to look at this as a gift because you're probably not going to see it again. And I would recommend from a financial standpoint, you just don't do it. Now, if you want to help the family member out, that's a different story. Um, but uh, whether it's a family member, whether it's your children, you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to loan money to my kids. Well, consider it a gift. If you get it back, okay, I'll be surprised, but otherwise it's a gift. Any experience with that or any, any, uh, suggestions on people in, in well, the investing run, with family I, members? I think the running joke is the three easiest ways to lose money mm -hmm. is to invest in your kids. Invest in your friends and invest in your friends' kids. So uh, <laughs> that's right. It'll go. It'll yeah. go quickly a lot of times. So it wasn't too long after that that this client uh, did lose the money and came back. Fortunately, it was not a large enough uh, piece of their their uh, portfolio to to make a difference. And uh, we had another uh, gentleman who wanted to try to get rich quicker. He had he probably had about eight hundred thousand dollars of assets. So it's not a huge amount of money, but large for a lot of people, it's a large amount. 
And he was going to invest over $100,000 in this uh, person who was going to start a trucking company. This has been years ago. And uh, so we, because uh, he said every time this person started a new trucking company that was successful, they sold it for a lot of money, whatever. And we basically told him it's, it's too big a percentage of your total to be doing this with. You shouldn't be doing it with that much money. But, of course, he did it anyway. And uh, within three years, it was gone. Uh, just the money was gone. So you do have to be careful and do that due diligence ahead of time to make sure that you are covering all the bases, answering all the questions. All right, we get back from the break. Uh, John, I want you to talk a little bit more about um, some of your experiences in the philanthropy side. Certainly the listeners would like to hear, as I was asking you at the at the break, about the differences in, in money philosophies. We ask you about the things that you learned growing up. But then, of course, when you add a spouse, then you've got a different set of experiences that come with them. So we want to talk a little bit about that, too. I think that would be interesting to hear uh, for our listeners to hear some of the things that you've worked through on that. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Okay, so uh, John, obviously you've had a lot of success in business and philanthropy, and and I would even uh, define that a little more narrowly as ministry is is a is important part. Uh, you guys attend Downtown Press, I guess, uh, still. We do. Okay, so I go to Mitchell Road Press, okay. so we got some some uh, similarities there, and I know a lot of people down there at uh, at Downtown Press. Matter of fact, we even helped the office some with some uh, stock gifts and things uh, just gratis just to help get those converted into cash for the church uh, when people wanted to do donate tax, uh, donate uh, securities. Uh, so how do you guys, and also I want to hear, so we talked about um, your money lessons, and Courtney obviously is going to have different money lessons that she had, and how do you guys approach together this um, uh, this all-important uh, service and uh, of giving and generosity and things like that. So I, I think the first philosophy we have is it's not our money, it's it's God's and Christ's. So I think um, the other thing I'll say is philanthropy and charity, it's challenging. And one of the, the reasons for this, I think, is because, especially in Greenville, there's so many great charities out there, mm-hmm. and we all have limited resources, and it's hard to tell people no. Knowing right. that they do a great job in, and they need the in, money in a certain area right. and they need the money. So I think one of the challenges as our finances have grown, uh, we initially started giving it 
to small amounts to a lot of groups. And what we realized was we weren't having much impact. Right. And it saved us. And you from can't, just like you can't keep up with more than four employees, direct reports, it's the same thing I mean, with those ministries. How do you keep up with them? Uh, yeah. That's a great, that's a great example. But I think, you know, one of the reasons we did it, we didn't want to tell people no, we didn't want to have people angry at us, but ultimately we weren't having impact. So what we decided was to go away from what I would call the shotgun approach and go to the rifle approach. And we go through, you know, a tr- regardless of whether you go through a donor advised fund or a trust, you know, to be able to put the money somewhere and really think about it, you know, we, due to the tax system, you got to get rid of this money December 31st, which is very arbitrary. Right. And yeah. a lot of times you don't find out until December 28th how much money you have to give away. Mm-hmm. So I think with the donor advised fund or a trust, that gives that frees you up to where you've technically given the money away, but you haven't designated where where it goes. Yeah. So, so the South Carolina Christian Foundation has a donor advised fund. If you want to give it to a Christian organization, the National Christian Foundation has one. You can you can Google those and find out. I've had the South Carolina Christian Foundation and NCF mm-hmm. folks, uh, Daniel Hicks, been on this show a number of times, and and a lot of firms, so Fidelity Schwab, they have their own donor advised funds. But if you want to be more specific. In a, a for a ministry type thing, then these these other two, the National Christian Foundation, the South Carolina Christian Foundation, would be better choices in my opinion. But that's a donor advised funds. We could talk more about that. Certainly, we have talked more about that in few, in uh, other programs. So so for us, I would say church is always the main priority, mm-hmm. um, and it starts with the church. But then when you're starting to get into gifts uh, above the church, you know, one of the questions we say is is the organization kingdom focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really important to us. The second one is, does the organization have great leadership that's competent and also sacrifices for the organization? There's some charities out there. I'm not going to name them. You can look them up. But where the CEO makes $750,000 yeah. a year, yeah. that's not an organization that we want to give to. Right. You know, That's just, to me, ridiculous. Uh, but then the other thing we, we ask is, does it make significant or life-changing impact on individuals? Mm-hmm. We really want to have impact on individuals. Uh, and then, you know, everyone has their passions after that. I have passions for veterans. I have passions for veterans who's, you know, who have passed away fighting for their country and their children mm-hmm. have, you know, scholarship needs. Uh, we have passions for the unborn. We have passions for adoption. Right. Uh, so I think it really, you know, the more you talk with your spouse, uh, the easier it gets. But it's definitely been, you know, a challenging situation to, to decide how to give away money. Yeah, but you have the things that you're passionate for. She has things you're passionate for. Then you have to try to narrow that down to the ones you both want to be passionate about together. And that can be a challenge. Well, I think what where we are, we're both passionate about our church. And yeah. we're both That's passionate an easy one. about okay. certain organizations. But then it's all right to where she's involved in certain charities that I'm not involved with. Okay. But the hardest thing still remains to have to tell a great person and a great charity, no, uh, I just that doesn't fit our criteria or I'm not passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I understand that. And my wife and I have some, have some similar conversations as we try to determine the best places to give money to. But I, I do want to remind listeners, because the, what you're talking about is so in line with the Ronald Blue Trust philosophy, that one of the main uh, core values that we talk about is Ronald Blue Trust exists to help Christians to become financially free to assist in fulfilling the Great Commission. 
and go into all the world and present the gospel. A lot of people don't know what the Great Commission is. So we have to remind them of that. That's that's why we exist. And then well, the, the main um, passage of Scripture that, that we use in our, um, really in our marketing material and, and certainly with the advisors as we discuss things with clients is in 1 Timothy 6, in 17 through 19, that says, instruct those who are rich in this present world, and we're all rich, and compare ourselves to other other countries and so forth. Really, everybody's rich to a certain extent. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good. That's what we're talking about here. This It's scriptural. To be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So the important things that that you that really we should be talking about is is how do we use the resources? How do we steward? You talking about it's all God's, none of it's ours. So how would our steward, or the real owner, want us to handle that money? And it gives you a whole different perspective on how you think about it. It's totally contrary to the worldview yeah. of money. And then the world typically would look at you and say, what are you, nuts? Of course it's your money. It's not. So uh, obviously you you talked openly about your faith. How did, how did you integrate that faith even into your business? Uh, and how did that approach really differ from other businesses that you've worked with? Well, I think, I mean, faith is vital to me. It informs my worldview and it informs every aspect of my life. And I think when when you really boil down, for me, uh, the faith aspect is so important to uh, to share with other people, but you don't necessarily have to always tell them about it. I think they should be able to look at your life and, sure. and know that, and uh, right. that starts a lot with grace. Uh, yeah. Grace is when you when grace penetrates your heart, it changes your world. So yeah. um, I think yeah. that's really important. And one of the books that had such a tremendous impact on me, other than the Bible, was Oz Guinness's The Call. The call, and okay. uh, I read that coming out of the Marine Corps, I was struggling with what did I really want to do. I had this huge, you know, overarching mission when I was a Marine to protect the country, to have impact on foreign policy, and I came out and I was struggling with what do I want to do, and I even thought about going into the ministry. But what the call discusses is it talks about our two calls. One is to Christ, that's our primary call, and our work is separate, and that's a separate call, and. uh I would highly encourage anyone to read the call if they have a chance. All right, got a minute left, John. So let's just briefly mention the the South Carolina's conservative future pack that you've just started. Uh, that's what you're doing now. So real quickly. So I started South Carolina's conservative future. We're an organization that we want to protect freedoms, advance economic opportunity, and provide government accountability for our tax dollars. Uh, we're going to help get conservative Republicans elected throughout the state and uh, we're very excited about it. That's great. That's great. So you can always look that up. What is Google South Carolina's conservative future, and it'll come up, and uh, you can sign up for newsletters and things like that. Well, John, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for Taking a me. Saturday morning to come out here and, and uh, spend some time with our listeners. I'm so glad you did. If you've got more questions, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of Talking Money. 